Spring cleaning time has finally arrived. And trust me, in this house, it's a lot of work. There seems to be a never-ending amount of rooms, and as soon as I think I've finished, I find another room with hundreds of mirrors to clean or porcelain dolls that change positions when you look away to dust. The most annoying room in the whole house, though, is what I call the purple room. The purple room was empty when I first arrived in Springshard, or at least almost empty. All that occupied its dark purple walls was a stuffed kangaroo in the center and a pair of black socks. Ever since that day, every time I go into the purple room, something new is there. Keys, unpaired socks, some marbles, what looks like math homework. You name it, it's probably in that room now. I've been putting off cleaning that room for way too long. So, I decide that it's about time I clean it out. Well. I trudge my way through the dunes of sweaters, socks, and papers that look somewhat important, actually, and open the window outside. I was able to borrow a dumpster from one of my neighbors, Laurel Carlsberg, and wheel it out below the window. I immediately begin to sort through some of the piles, throwing anything that is clearly garbage out the window and into the dumpster. Once that's done, I start to take the non-trash objects and sort them between things I want to keep and things I want to sell. I find some pretty interesting things like a blue and pink plastic unicorn, a red bike, and a live naked mole rat. It takes me quite a while to sort through everything. I mean, I've never been the fastest at cleaning. I usually find something really neat and then look at it and play with it before actually doing anything productive. So a room full of things I've never seen before is kind of a weekend-long project. I'm only about a quarter of the way through the pile that never seems to get any smaller when I find the first of what will be many mysterious and enchanting objects that will stretch this project over the course of the next few days. A golden locket. The locket is in the shape of an oval and is sketched with intricate designs, like a clock in the center surrounded by gnomes, flowers, and magical-looking swirls. On the back is engraving, reading, To my dear Magna, may this year and everyone to follow be filled with love and owls. Inside the locket is a picture of a couple. I don't recognize the woman, but the man I know. I see him every time I go to market for fresh veggies or whenever I go through his carrot patch to get to the elementary school for interviews. The man in the picture is Farmer Magna Connors. I stick the locket into my pocket. I'll deliver it to him when I head into town this afternoon. I think he'll probably want it back. I continue to sift through the tall piles of objects, making slow but steady progress. It's mid-morning by the time I find the second object, a blue and gold gilded book with loopy written title on the cover. The title reads, A Comprehensive History on Worms, Wormholes, Holes, and Springshard's Historical Look on Time. None of these things seem related. And it's not a very catchy title. I flip through the worn, yellowing pages and run my fingers across the dark ink sprawling across them. There's chapters about earthworms, flatworms, roundworms, inchworms, and gummy worms. 
The next section has chapters on the space-time continuum, and that's seen in every single movie where they demonstrate how wormholes work with a piece of paper and a pencil. The third section has chapters on sinkholes, potholes, pits, ditches, and hole punchers. And the fourth and final section talks about historians and the great philosophers of Springshirt history and their view on time. They believe that time was a malleable fluid, that though it's not tangible, it could be shaped, molded, and bent to the will of the city's timekeepers. The timekeepers of the city's past were very important to the people and to the administration of the mayor's office. It goes into great details about the myths of the past and the beliefs of the founders. I close up the book and place it to the side. I think I'll keep this around. I have always been interested in myths and folklore, and this could be helpful in figuring out the mysteries of the town. I continue on my journey of decluttering until it becomes late afternoon. After eating some lunch, I make sure the locket is safely in my pocket and head downtown. I make my way downtown and past Circle Square to the Black Street Market. Vendors on both sides of the path offer me vegetables, fruits, handmade goods and snacks, and bags of rocks that they scooped up from the side of the road. I make my way to the back of the market to Magna Connor's carrot booth. Taryn, how are you? Hi, Magna, I reply. Now tell me, today, what do you want, Taryn? You know I'm not an idea guy, I can't read your mind. So, what kind of carrot tickles your fancy today? I'm actually not here for any carrots, I explain. I'm here to give you something. Magna tilts his head, looking at me curiously. I reach into my pocket and pull out a locket. Magna's eyes snap open wide as he stares at the golden pendant in my hands. He reaches out for it, and I place it into his hands, treating it like a delicate snowflake that may crumble completely at his touch. He turns it over in his hands and runs his calloused fingers lightly over the carving. He pops it open and looks longingly at the picture in it. Magnus sniffs before looking back to me. Thank you, Taryn. I thought I lost this. He gently closes the locket. It was a gift from my wife. May she rest easy. I never thought I'd see it again. I give him a smile and turn to leave. Wait! Magna hands me a bundle of carrots. As a token of my gratitude, he says, his perky nature right back on his face. I gratefully take the carrots and head home. As I'm walking home, I can't help but wonder how the locket ended up in my house in the first place. It seems very important to Magna, and even if he did lose it, he's never been into my house much less the purple room. Come to think of it, how did any of the things in that room end up there? I didn't put them in there, and they seemed to all belong to someone else. I spend a little more time wandering the city, giving people papers that I found with their names on it, and sweaters with their initials on the tag. After returning everything I found in the house to their rightful owners, I head home for the night. As I eat my dinner, I flip through the book I found again. It talks about many types of wormholes. There are some that lead from one place to another, like a portal. These can either be double or single-sided. So some you can enter or exit whenever you want, or others can only take you to a specific place, but not back. 
Some wormholes are places where time moves slower, faster, or in reverse. These wormholes can be very fertile for life and can only be exited or entered at specific time when the outer world and the wormhole's time are linked up. Others are linked to specific objects. Sometimes when an object has a specific emotion tied to it, if it's very strong, it can create a wormhole sucking other objects tied with the same emotion to it. This is why spring shardians often lose socks from the dryer. They're sucked through a wormhole connected to unpaired socks connected to lost things. The origin of this specific wormhole is unknown. Maybe that's what this room is. A wormhole. A wormhole for lost things. I mean, it makes sense if you believe in stuff like that. And honestly, it's not the wildest thing to happen in this town. I head back up to the room to finish up my cleaning for the night. I'm not nearly finished for good, but... Might as well finish up what little I have left for tonight. As I sort through the remaining piles, I find a small gray tape recorder. It's scuffed up as if it's been tossed and slid across rough pavement. On the side, written in a piece of white tape, is the name April May. I turn the recorder over in my hands before sitting down on the floor and pressing play. This is AJ Robinson, creator of Chronicles of Spring Shard and the voice of Taryn March. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked it and want to know when the next episode is up, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Spring Shard Chronicle for weekly updates and teasers. Next week, there will be no episode released. Episode 9 will be up on May 17th. Be sure to give it a listen and find out just what is on that tape. If you like this episode and would like to listen to it even when you don't have Wi-Fi, it is available for download. If you want to listen while looking at a picture of the super cool cover art, you can also listen on YouTube. Check our social media for more information. The awesome music you are listening to right now is by Chaos Emerald on YouTube. Go check out her channel once this episode is done. In fact... If you're listening on YouTube, I'll even give you a link in the description below. You can also check her out on Instagram and Twitter at EmmaJoyceY. Special thanks to Jess Milton, Derek Taggart, and to you listening right now. And hey, I hope you find whatever it is you're looking for.